You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with the AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director. What do physicians need to know about accurately completing death certificates? Joining us to discuss completing death certificates in nursing homes is Dr. Jeffrey Levine, Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine at New York Medical College and Clinical Faculty Member at St. Vincent's Hospital and Medical Center. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Dr. Tangalos. Well, tell us what's the importance, first of all, with regards to a certificate of death. Well, physicians need to appreciate a couple of things about death certificates or certificates of death. This is really an essential public health tool that's used for research, surveillance, policy decisions, as well as funding. It's also an important legal document. So go on and explain each of those elements if you'd like. Well, it's an important legal document because this is what's reported to the CDC. It's reported through your state to the CDC, and it's helpful for identifying outbreaks, emergencies, pandemics, and it's also very important for collecting health statistics. All right, and does that play into the policy decisions that you mentioned as well? It certainly does, and I'm going to give you an example of where that could play in. There's been a recent publication in the Journal of the American Medical Association that talks about underreporting of end-stage dementia. It's very important for society to appreciate and understand the epidemic of dementia and how people pass away as a result of this awful debilitating disease. And this letter that was written to the Journal of the American Medical Association in December of 2008 underscores the fact that many death certificates don't contain this information. Now, when you take a look at your death certificate, there are several parts that the physician needs to fill out. The physician is responsible for the following information. The physician has to describe the chain of medical events or conditions that lead to death, determine the underlying cause of death, and certifying the death event. When you take a look at your death certificate, you have several entries that the physician has to make with regard to the events leading to death. These include the immediate cause, the intermediate cause, and the underlying cause. And then finally, there is other significant conditions. The reality is that many physicians don't appreciate the fact that end-stage dementia can be listed as an underlying cause that sets in motion the events leading to death. Well, I'm a full advocate of that. And, you know, in life, I tell my physicians and my families to run toward the diagnosis of dementia. And you're saying the same thing, run toward the diagnosis as you complete the death certificate. That's correct. What are the consequences to physicians for not completing a death certificate besides the patient being undead? Many states are moving toward electronic death registration system, or EDRS. And I'm in New York State, and this is something that New York State has been pushing and has been educating physicians on. And it looks like this electronic death registration system is going to take the place of the paper system. And what this is going to do, it's going to speed up the reporting and might subject physicians to increased scrutiny as to the accuracy of their death certificates. I need to point out that there are specific criteria for what is the immediate cause, what is the intermediate cause, and what is the underlying cause when you list them here. 
For example, if you have a sequence of events where the cause of death is an acute MI from atherosclerotic heart disease, it would be improper to write on your death certificate acute MI due to as a consequence of atherosclerotic disease due to as a consequence of cancer of the breast. And if you don't fill this out correctly, it's going to be caught by somebody and you might get a phone call to redo your death certificate. How often does that happen? Does that happen very frequently? Actually, I haven't heard of it happening. However, with the new electronic death registration system, there's a good chance that this sort of surveillance is going to start. Well, the accuracy, again, you started right out listing a number of things where the accuracy is important. Tell us about the accuracy and funding opportunities. Where does that fit together? Well, for example, if physicians don't complete the death certificate giving dementia as an underlying cause, then dementia will not be appreciated in the data bank that the widespread occurrence of dementia may be underestimated in the statistics. And this could affect funding decisions when it comes to doing research. All right. So the more accurately we define these things, the better we can focus where research dollars go and where other funds go as well. That's correct, Dr. Tangalos. All right, great. Tell us about the other significant conditions. Why would I waste my time filling that out on a death certificate? Other significant conditions. These are very important because they flesh out the complete picture of the events that surrounded the death. Okay. Let me pursue this a little bit more. I've got a nursing home patient She's had Alzheimer's disease for eight years. She's had recurrent aspirations, and she dies acutely of her pneumonia. Now, on the first line of the death certificate, is it Alzheimer's disease or is it pneumonia? No, the first line on the death certificate has to be a specific condition, and that would be your pneumonia. Then you could list as a consequence of aspiration, and then you could list due to as a consequence of end-stage dementia. If there were other significant conditions, they would be listed in the other significant conditions box. I need to point out that other significant conditions are events that are not in the causal chain of events leading to death. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangelos, and joining me to discuss Completing death certificates in nursing homes is Dr. Jeffrey Levine, clinical associate professor of medicine at New York Medical College and clinical faculty member at St. Vincent's Hospital and Medical Center. We're discussing now the sequence of listing events for the death certificate. What's the most common error made on completing a death certificate? The most common error in the completion of a death certificate is listing the mechanism of death, such as cardiopulmonary arrest, as the underlying cause of death. The mechanism of death has to be a specific mechanism. And simply writing cardiopulmonary arrest is not specific enough. So what would be if they were to die of a acute myocardial infarction, if you knew that? Acute myocardial infarction. That's the right terminology. There. That's correct. All right. Now, the coroner. The coroner takes on a different role in each and every state, in each and every jurisdiction. When do you report, or when are we supposed to report, to the medical examiner? Medical examiner reporting usually is triggered by things such as unexpected deaths, any death that's occurred that's not of natural causes, any death that's a result of criminal neglect and violence, drug overdoses, 
excessive exposure to heat or cold, workplace injuries, anything that's related to a procedure or an operation in the hospital. And those kind of activities should be reported. I can think of uh, heat waves where, again, going back to what you talked about at the beginning, it's essential in public health to know when people are dying across your city from uh, heat exposure. That's correct. It's very important to report any suspected elder neglect. And as we know, elder abuse is underreported, and elder abuse is underreported because frequently we don't have this index of suspicion that elder abuse exists. And if somebody comes in, for example, who is emaciated from home or a nursing facility with indications of bruising or unexplained injuries, this needs to be reported to the medical examiner. My understanding also is that the medical examiner can take priority and take over a death at any time. That is true. And the medical examiner, it's actually their choice. What you generally do is you call them on the phone and present it to them on the phone. And if they decide to look into it, they will generally take over from there. Better safe than sorry. You're better off letting them know in questionable situations? Absolutely. You have done a fair amount of work on risk management as well. Let's roll that into a continuing discussion on the accuracy of completing the death certificate. What's in it for our docs? Many physicians don't appreciate how important the death certificate is and also the reporting process and how it could impact on medical legal issues. We're just coming off the topic of reporting to the medical examiner. I'd like to first start by tying it into that topic since we just addressed it. Any death that is once again related to neglect or abuse or violence needs to be reported. Any death that's related to a procedure needs to be reported, and this is something that many of us don't appreciate. For example, let's say someone has complications related to a hip fracture or complications related to an open-heart surgery, and they die even within a couple of days, or complications related to a fall-related injury. This is something that we need to take a moment, call up the medical examiner, explain it to them, and if the medical examiner chooses to take over that death investigation, they should. All right, and now on to the risk management piece. Well, it needs to be appreciated by physicians that the death certificate is a legal document that is frequently used in court. And what they write as causes of death on the death certificate can make or break a case for or against a health care provider. For example, we frequently see sepsis related to pressure sores listed as an item on the death certificate. This is something that plaintiff attorneys frequently use to make a case for death related to neglect. You're suggesting just the accuracy of the record is being important. That's correct. I would suggest pausing, making sure that what you're writing is accurate and presents a true picture of what went on with that individual and realize that this is something that can end up in court. Now, besides these documents being legal documents and occasionally ending up in the court system, how often do patients, family members, get a chance to look at death certificates and what does it mean to them? Well, families, of course, have access to this information. And if they find something that is upsetting, you can rest assured that's a risk management issue. It certainly can trigger a family member being unhappy with the quality of care and then ending up in a lawyer's office. 
Do you ever suggest that physicians in completing some of these death certificates send a letter off to family with the copy of the death certificate or just let things be? That's controversial. I think if you need to give the family information, the buzzword these days is empathetic disclosure. If you have bad news to give to a family, you need to sit them down in a quiet space, look them straight in the eye, and deliver the information with empathy and honesty. Well, what else have we not discussed with regards to the clinician's report of death or the death certificate? One of the new things that you'll be seeing coming down the pike is the electronic death record. So look out for that. If you're licensed in your state, you might get a notice that this is coming down the pike. So that's something to look for. Let's talk about the death certificate as it pertains to a long-term care facility. What are the benefits to a long-term care facility in getting it right? Oh, well, uh, we talked about the risk management aspects of getting the death certificate right. We talked about having the physician be aware of the implications of what they write. And don't forget, these documents are legal documents, and they can be blown up and put on the wall, and you're going to see your writing up there certifying the cause of death. So the best thing to do is take a breath and get it right. Can a nursing home learn and change its practices based on the reporting of death certificates? 100%. Because if you have accurate reporting, you're going to have a better look at what your causes of death are. This is a perfect place for your medical director to step in. With the new medical director F-tag, the regulations require that the medical directors be responsible for spreading the right information down to your primary care physicians. And this is a great project for medical directors to impart this information to their medical staff. Have you seen any examples of where a systematic review of death certificates has made a difference in a long-term care facility? Yes, I uh, had the privilege of doing my training at the Jewish Home and Hospital for the Aged. This was uh, an academic nursing home on the upper west side of Manhattan. And there was many research projects that we did as fellows that looked at death certificates and death reporting. Well, I would like to thank my guests from St. Vincent's Hospital and Medical Center in New York City, Dr. Jeffrey Levine. Dr. Levine, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. Thank you very much, Dr. Tangalos. You've been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with the AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which features on-demand podcasts of all of our programming.